Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, the show's first official sponsor, and presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at thejazzsession.com, and you'll also find it in iTunes or using an RSS reader, and all those links are at the website, thejazzsession.com. Also, there are links to follow the show on Twitter or on Facebook. You can become a fan of the show's uh, Facebook fan page, or you can follow twitter.com slash jazzsesh, S-E-S-H. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Please buy all their records and tell them the Jazz Session sent you. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo. He is at twitter.com slash Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. Please do become a member. This is show number 285, which means there are 15 shows left in order to... Uh, not in order to... That's a, that's a misuse of the English language. There are 15 shows left until the 300th show, by which time I need to have 100 members, or else 300 is going to be the final show. If there are 100 members at that point, there'll be a number 301. It's very simple math, very simple uh, you know, causation. So please do become a member. You can do that at thejazzsession.com slash join. It's easy, it's cheap, and it makes you feel good. So please do it today if you would and help keep this show going. I've known my guest today for a lot of years, uh, kind of on and off. You know, he's one of those people I've, I encountered in Rochester when I lived there, and I've seen in New York several times. And he's just an all-around nice guy. His name is Ike Sturm. And he recorded an album called Jazz Mass, which is very much what it sounds like it might be. Uh, and you'll hear about his interesting occupation, <laughs> which he's one of not very many people who have a job like the job that he has. And uh, you'll hear about, I think, the role that uh, his his personal beliefs play in his music, which is something that uh, certainly comes up on this show a lot, but not necessarily in exactly this context. But first, let's hear a track from Jazz Mass. is the bassist and composer Ike Sturm. He's got a record called Jazz Mass, which is uh, very ambitious and very cool, and I'm happy to have you on the show to talk about it. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Good to be here. Will you, uh, will you talk a little bit about how this work came to be, first of all? Uh, or maybe actually it would be even better to start by just telling people a little bit about what it is, uh, what the Jazz Mass uh, 
piece is. Yeah, um, basically, it's uh, a mass in and of itself is something um, that goes back. Um, there's quite a tradition just in terms of um, it being basically the way that a service is shaped. So it actually does function as a worship service. And it's something that um, as I got my job at St. Peter's here, they talked about um, putting a project like this together in a, in a jazz context. So I've, there are, I'm certainly not the first person to do this. There are a lot of other examples of people writing masses and jazz masses for that matter. Um, but I looked at, you know, what was out there and, um, you know, what my friends were up to and, and basically what I was hoping to do just in terms of a, um, a musical project, um, not necessarily related to, um, a service or anything and just try to put that all together and, and put something together that, that would function as a service here at St. Peter's, but also would be, um, kind of drawing upon some of my favorite things that are happening and, and my favorite players and put them all in one spot. And, um, so it's exciting to see that all come together. It took some time and the impetus for it was, um, there's a, a great guy, a friend of mine named Dale Lind, who was the jazz pastor here for a long time after Pastor Genzel was here. Um, and, uh, basically as he neared retirement, we talked about doing something special for him and I wanted to write a piece kind of dedicated to him and in honor of him. And so this gave us an excuse to put something together. So. It was tough to know where to start this interview because there are so many elements that people kind of have to understand about like where we physically are right now and a little bit of the history of this place uh, to make all of this come together kind of logically. So you've mentioned St. Peter's a couple times, and now we should tell people who either don't live in New York or aren't familiar with this place uh, about St. Peter's and its relationship to the jazz community, which goes back decades and decades. Yeah, yeah, we're nearing 50 years now. And uh, actually the anniversary of the church here is almost 150 years, but the jazz portion of it here um, started in 1965. And, uh, um, you know, especially now now it might not seem so radical to have jazz in a church but certainly at that time it really was and uh and they they recognized that the jazz community um was being supported by a guy named pastor john gensel who was here and and he reached out to the jazz musicians and was just um basically you know there for them and, and would go and hang really late at night like like it used to be in those days and um and, you know, the church has this amazing history of um, a lot of people know it from memorials from Duke Ellington and Thelonious Monk and John Coltrane and a lot of amazing artists that have been memorialized here. But um, that all only grew out of kind of the um, 
the fellowship and the, the hang that was that was happening here. You know, musicians would come in and out and be part of what's happening and um, get married here and just have have their lives kind of intertwined. I think in a way it was it was a spot where you know there were clubs all over the place and this was one large place where everyone could come together and be together and um, and uh, so it's it's been that way for a long time now. So I've been here about six years now and there was a job that was created to for a music director for the jazz ministry here and. Um, so I've been been doing that since that time. So had there not been a job like that before? You? No, there hadn't. The the pastors actually had been in touch with musicians, and they would just have them come in, and then and then the musicians would kind of pull it together somehow, which I'm sure was was challenging. You know, just I think the musicians would would add their um, uh, kind of add their two cents and and. Uh, shape the services the best way they knew how, and then the pastors would come at it from their angle as well. Um, but right now it's kind of cool because I'm kind of in between there. You know, I'm a bass player and and playing with all with a lot of these guys or, or listening to them, and and then uh, I can bring them in and kind of communicate between those um, between those sides and and uh, and hopefully you know get people doing stuff you know we've had people that see with this particular project with the jazz mass people have gone oh man that's cool to have a you know some kind of text to work with or sacred text um what about what if i tried this and so i've had a lot of people writing other other things and um you know since we have something every week here there's a lot of opportunities for people to you know to write something and try it out so is there both a i guess what we might consider a more traditional uh, side of this church and then a side that integrates jazz or is jazz kind of suffused throughout the entire thing? <laughs> That's a very good question. One, one we're talking about right now, actually um, there, it's certainly one church and we're all, you know, we're all part of it, but there, there is um, a sense basically just due to the time and the services, it is, um, divided in some way in terms of like the morning, there's an 11 o'clock service. That's kind of a more, uh, traditional service. You might call it, um, everything like is pretty hymns out of a book exactly. that people would know and that kind of thing. Exactly. Right. And we do that sometimes at jazz too, but it's always a different context. Maybe it's totally reharmonized or in seven or something <laughs> right. where, you know, you never know. But, um, but yeah, so it's kind of divided up that way. There's an 11 o'clock service and then the, we have a five o'clock evening service every week. Okay. Um, but you know, we have festivals throughout the year and, and try to, you know, bring everyone in on that and we'll, we'll play, um, you know, I'll write things for the morning congregation. This is something we did also in the, at that traditional service. Um, cause we used the whole choir there. And so, um, we try to find ways to blend that all together whenever we can, you know. don't have to spend too much time exploring the philosophy here, but it, I, I can imagine that the reason it was so uh, 
I don't know if scandalous is the right word, but uh, out <laughs> of the ordinary to have jazz in a worship service back in the day yeah. was, you know, jazz was often seen as music that happened, obviously, in nightclubs late at night, and there was drinking and dancing and that whole thing, things that weren't associated with church. Yeah. And now I'm not sure as much of, obviously, if jazz is no longer associated with dancing, to some degree still <laughs> with drinking and late nights in clubs, <laughs> right. but it just seems to have moved, maybe to not even be moving in the realm, the same realm as the religious community. I mean, jazz just seems to be in many ways an intensely secular thing that, or even maybe a non-philosophical thing, like something beyond mm. outside what we might think of as, well, is this religious music or not? I, I never even think of that in the context of jazz. So like for your piece, for example, when I first listened to it, if you took the words out and there was just the music, it, it just sounds like a, you know, a large ensemble composition, you know, skillfully done that fits completely in what we expect as the jazz tradition. And then when you add that sacred text in, it seems to me like this whole new hybrid, at least that was new to me. Hmm. Uh, so I wonder about navigating that space for you. Is that something that you had to kind of consider while writing this or something you encounter here in your daily life about yeah, blending those worlds? That's really cool. Like that's definitely something, um, obviously it's, it's not up to me how that, how that comes across to someone, but that was totally what I was shooting for when I, when I started out. Um, because I get a lot of things, um, here and I think everything is always done in a way that, um, a lot of people will send things here. We're doing the sacred jazz thing or something else. And, um, what I noticed is, um, you know, there's, there's all different types of things that come in stylistically and, um, the experience of the artists or whatever. But one thing I I felt strongly about is we've got, you know, people on the record like Donnie McCaslin or Lawrence Stillman or Ingrid or any of the folks, great folks that play on that. And they're all doing amazing things around here. And I wanted to write, I had, um, original music in mind. And so I, like you said, I had kind of a large ensemble project in mind that I, that I wanted to put together. And, um, so when I started looking at the texts, um, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the process was similar to how you just laid it out because as soon as the text came, became involved, some of my ideas about the large ensemble thing or, or the original music completely went out the window or just like um, evolved into something totally different. Um, I remember in one piece in particular, the whole thing was based around this thing I wrote on the bass, like this cool little bass line. And by the time it ended up being a 10 minute piece. And the only thing that's not in the piece was like this bass line, you know, that I was supposed <laughs> to have. So, you know, as soon as the text got involved, it, it trans, you know, went to a totally different place. Um, but my hope with the piece was to write something that yeah, a lot of my friends don't come to church here and um, might not want to listen to a you know some sacred project. Um, but it was something that was really meaningful to me, and I thought if they can listen to it and and um, you know and really be affected in some way by it, you know, be the, be the music and and be moved by it through the playing. And I wanted it to be really strong on both elements. I obviously wanted to represent the text. Um, authentically and, and, um, in as beautiful ways I could, but also let these guys just, you know, go for it and really play, sure. you know, offer everything they can. So, yeah. You know, even, uh, even as you were saying that, of course, and I'm thinking back to the thing that I was saying right before it, obviously there are huge examples of like Duke Ellington, sacred concerts. Um, and even like, modern people, I can, uh, one person who just springs to mind because of the Rochester connection is Deanna Witkowski, who plays sure. a lot of music in a religious context that is, based in the jazz language um you uh, just from uh, what i know about you and it's pretty explicit in the liner notes here um i mean the 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 element of your faith seems to be a fairly present and strong thing in your life like it's not a coincidence that you work in a church <laughs> right, <laughs> right for example yeah, yeah. um 
so I, I'd like I'd be interested in hearing more about that about uh, about how you approached. And again, it seems like some navigation, how you approached being fairly explicit about who you are as a person while still trying to make music that you thought anyone could listen to. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, before this this job is a very strange job for me, you know, to be a jazz musician and have be employed by a church is strange in and of itself. But then to be a bass player is even weirder. You know, it's without playing organ or piano, I'd be, right. you know, have a hard time finding anything like that. So, but what was interesting is before I even my job didn't even exist. And, um, before this, this came up, I, w- I had a record called spirit that has came out and was, um, a much different record, but, but similar in terms of like the content or where it comes from in terms of my faith and, and what was, what motivated me to write it. But, um, it's a different feeling now. It's, I often think about how at that time it felt very extreme to me. That's when I really had the navigating to do because that time it was expected that I would just write, original music like my friends were doing and like I wanted to do, but it was really personal for me. And I felt like that's where the music was coming from a spiritual place for me. And I, um, it was impossible for me to, to disconnect that relationship or to, um, uh, put it out there in any other way. Yet at the same time, I felt kind of the, the oddness of that or the, um, um, maybe how that's, that's not expected or sometimes not welcome too. Um, but I, uh, you know, I tried to be honest about that and, uh, you know, do it in a respectful way and then, then put it out there. But what's interesting is that I remember feeling like that, that crunch or that, that rub at that time, like, wow, this is, this is pretty strange to put that out there. But now with my job, it's like, this is, this project was commissioned, you know, and it's like, this was expected. (laughs) So there was still navigating to do between the jazz community and this, and, and somehow hopefully coming up with something that really represented both sides well, you know, and, and, um, I don't know, somehow put that all together, but it, but it felt safer because all of a sudden it was expected and it was, you know, it was something that was asked for. And I think a lot of people, my friends that know me now, I've been here long enough that they just expect, okay, it's Ike's Ike's doing this project or whatever it is. And so that's something I wrestle with a little bit because I think it's, um, like anything, I think you, it's important to keep that, um, something vital there or something. It's not a bad, um, um, I'm not sure how to describe it, but there's, there's something, uh, kind of a tug there that, that can be positive, I think, and, um, kind of keep you, keep you inspired. So it's definitely something I'm thinking about. Cause I, there's another project coming up maybe in the next year or two that, um, um, not, a, not necessarily another mass or the same instrumentation, but another larger project that I've been asked to do. And, uh, so I'm, I'm keeping that in mind as I approach that for the next one, you know? Thank you. 
it's it's fun to be able to talk to you about this. The topic of religion has never come up on this show before because really, why would it? I guess yeah. for the most part, unless you interview someone who makes an album explicitly about that topic, and this yeah. is the first one of those I've ever talked about. And uh, I have been for most of my adult life a fairly militant atheist. However, uh, and so it's interesting for me to hear a record like this. Um, and this record doesn't seem to have any elements of like proselytizing in it. It just seems to come from a really honest place. And I mean, obviously, I've listened to tons of religious music in my life, and you can't listen to classical music without hearing tons of religious music. And yeah. I grew up in a church. And so the music as music, I, I often find very appealing. And the hmm. thing I find very appealing about this, I think, is that honesty, that idea that it's not it's not like this is a program that I'm following and I'm telling you about through my music. It feels like this is who I am as a human being and I'm telling mm. you about that through my music. And I think that really comes across in the album, which to me makes it much more universal than it might otherwise have been. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really fun to listen to and to kind of get to know that way. This uh, this record, it's funny when you open the page that lists all the people who are on it. <laughs> it's like, like yeah, it's, <laughs> well, you it's made an the joke about page. string orchestra, and, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's crazy. Um, so it seems like an incredibly ambitious project to pull together. Can you just talk a yeah, little I'm, bit about I'm the mechanics of it? The I would imagine, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was listening to a lot of, you know, my my. I guess I should say part of it. Um, my dad is a, is a great musician and, and arranger and composer and and orchestrator and stuff too. He helped me a ton with this project. I would I would get scores together and get this music together and send it to him and it would be like, you know, <laughs> back in school where you get the red pen comes right. out and no, take this up an octave and, and and he was extremely helpful. It was really fun for us actually because um, he had some amazing ideas. It wouldn't it definitely would not have been realized the same way without his help. And, we should um, mention his name. He's Fred Sturm. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, dad might not mean <laughs> yeah, as much. Yeah. To, People who Google dad <laughs> might not come up with him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was really fun for us. And that's something else we're thinking about as, you know, for other projects, um, because his, the orchestrating and, um, some of the skills he has together are, are amazing to draw upon, you know, for, for me. And, um, so was this kind of flexing some new muscles for you in, in some ways oh, totally. to, to write something this large? Oh, totally. Yeah. And it, but I guess the re one reason I bring him up other than that, that amazing help was, um, I, I grew up hearing a lot of like studio orchestra music and a lot of orchestral stuff and, you know, just being a sucker for that, that sound sure. and the strings and, and that. Uh, you know, such an amazing effect. And, um, so yeah. And I, I was listening to some project, you know, a few projects that I was checking out probably in the years leading up to this were kind of inspiring me, um, to think about something larger. And I guess for jazz musicians too, a lot of guys are, are really turned on by this, but just to have a chance to actually do it is right. huge, you know? And I was so fortunate to be here and have someone say, yeah, wh why don't you dream something up and just go for it? You know, it was like an amazing opportunity. So I thought, well, okay, why don't we get strings together? And, uh, you know, that for me was like a dream project to have strings. And then the voice connection was, was natural with the choir here and with, um, you know, with, with the text that was involved, it made a lot of sense. And then beyond that, I just thought, well, and then I'll just get all my friends and people that I want to play with <laughs> together. And so it was like total, you know, I was totally fortunate to put it together. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't like, um, there wasn't this huge buildup of me writing string pieces or choir pieces. It was like, I, this is a very new thing for me. Right. And since then, um, you know, it's made me want to do it to check it out more. Um, and maybe, 
uh, I, I don't I definitely won't pr- approach another project in the same way you know and try different instrumentation and I joke with my friends the next one will be like a duo project or something you know because it's <laughs> solo bass album yeah, right? exactly <laughs> it's such a huge undertaking and I I actually really love that I love that it gave me you know kind of this purpose in a way or like this artistically like this um this really consistent and long-term thing to work on and kind of chip away at. And there were a lot of other things. My daughter was being born during this time and there were, you know, so I had to just kind of, it was just kind of constant. It was there and I just continued to work on it. But, um, there was one really intense summer where I kind of pulled all the music together and then, and then the recording process happened after that, after we had done it live. So. I, uh, I had lunch yesterday with someone we both know, Josh Rutner from uh, the Respect Sextet, and he was talking about the idea of certain albums as uh, being more like movies where mm-hmm. you have to know exactly what each person is going to do before you get into the studio, you know, with the exception of maybe improvisation, mm-hmm. because you're dealing with large elements. So it seems like in this case, too, I mean, you had large string elements, choirs, you had to uh, to integrate kind of more traditional jazz band into the middle of all of that so i'm guessing that you there was some pretty intense planning that led up to each recording yeah (laughs) yeah there was i mean and some of it happened accidentally and some of it obviously had to be intentional um the helpful thing was putting it together live before we recorded it because Mm. we had a live recording to work with and um one reason we did it in the studio was there's so many elements we really wanted to be able to hear and kind of you know bring out different elements at different times um so that was a big part of it um but so you performed this piece as intended for the the celebration before you went to the studio to yeah exactly they were pretty close together but yeah we did that first so actually one thing that was kind of interesting is yeah we did that and so the band the soloists um ted and everybody else that was playing um had experienced the whole thing so they knew what the shape was and what the um, kind of the depth was in terms of the orchestration and stuff. And so when we recorded it, um, just logistically, we actually recorded the band completely, com- the complete record just as a band with, oh, wow. with okay. Misty as her so as a soloist. And then, um, like about four months later, we did the, um, the string section and added strings to the whole thing. And then we, uh, did choir last. So it was like a, we had to do it kind of in sections in order to, um, achieve like the sound that we were going sure. after. But what was interesting, I kind of got lucky in a lot of ways, I think in terms of the way the band played, because, um, I realized after the fact that it's pretty challenging as a, as a band to not completely fill the space all the time when you're not hearing strings or voices. And right. so I think that's what helped about hearing the, the live situation and you know and the musicians i had are, are sensitive enough to really to get that and to know exactly what to do and i think there's a uh, especially like ryan ferrera the guitarist there's a sense of like a transparency or an openness that allows for a lot of other elements to kind of coexist um in that texture and not you know take over or something you know yeah, yeah. Uh, can you talk about uh, just as a composer what it was like to to hear that music uh, when it was performed here live oh, for the man. first time well uh I, I i think some of the most memorable times i think are, are actually in rehearsals because those, those are the first times that you hear anything right and when you hear a choir or a string section i mean the band is the same way although i'm more accustomed to hearing a great band put something together and and really you know 
digging that sound. But when you hear a choir or a string section, for me, I think maybe because of my background or what speaks to me, that that was like really overwhelming, you know. Um, we had an experience recently, we had a gig at, at Princeton out in New Jersey and they have a huge cathedral there and they had like a 70 voice choir that did it. And like, I, when I was rehearsing them, I was conducting and I actually had to just stop conducting because it was to, to hear like the, you know, it's about four seconds of delay and it's just an incredible, like, I wish that everybody had that chance to like wave your arms and, and hear that come yeah. back at you, you know, it's pretty, pretty awesome. So, yeah, that's amazing. Last time I saw you, you were just about to head over to Europe uh, to perform. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, um, my wife and I, Misty, who is the soloist, the soprano soloist on the project, um, we had a chance to, uh, her mom came up and, and took care of our girls for us, and we had a chance to go to Europe and, and do the Mass in Berlin. And we brought with us, um, uh, Zeev Rabbits came over on drums, and... Um, Lawrence Stillman came over as a saxophonist, so we had a good portion of our, you know, of, of the group to come over, and we we found um, a couple of soloists over there in Berlin to join us, and then they had a seventy-voice choir in Berlin and a ten-piece uh, string group orchestra that they had put together, and. Um, the way that came about, there's a guy um, named Uwe Steinmetz, who's actually a saxophone player and has become a good friend of mine. He runs something kind of similar to St. Peter's in Berlin and had come over here to meet with, um, you know, a few guys he was really turned on by and uh, just wanted to, um, you know, get get some ideas about kind of a shrinking the yeah, yeah collaborating throughout the world and uh, there's a lot of people doing this kind of stuff and so people feel like they're on an island somewhere and so it's right. like we, we're fine we're trying to work to in the next few years to connect more of that and so part of that process for him was he wrote a piece for misty and for myself to come over and play and then we put the mask together in berlin which was it was really pretty pretty amazing they have an incredible church there called the gedeckness kirka I had to practice it so many times. I wanted to say it on the radio here. Um, but uh, it's an amazing church, and um, it had been bombed in the war, and they kept that. And then there's a super modern portion of it, so it's like a, it's kind of cut in two, and it's a really powerful place wow. to be. And it's still charged with so much of that, that history there in that area um, near the wall. And it was, it was a really, really special trip, you know, and a chance to, now that this piece is put together, it's actually, even though it's, it's a huge undertaking to record, and when we first did it, now it's like, it's this written piece, and, and people know the music, so we can, there's a recording, so we've been able to actually put it together pretty easily when you, uh, with the help, with a lot of help from folks, friends over there. Yeah. And, 
Um, so yeah, it's it's been fun. I think we're we're looking at doing a a larger trip um, early next year um, around uh, Scandinavia and, and Western Europe for a couple weeks. So that's kind of the what we're working on right now. What's the reaction been like to the piece when you performed it? Um, it's been it's been really great in in Berlin. It was fantastic. We had about four hundred people that came out, which when you're coming from New York is kind of shocking. <laughs> right. you know? so you're, Whoa, how did people know about this? But but it was um, it was really great. I think people maybe your reaction earlier. I mean, you know, a lot of people that come to it. Maybe some of them are coming from a church. Some of them are coming from. Um, you know, to hear Lauren Stillman play or whatever it is. Right. And, and somehow they meet in the middle and there's, there's an hopefully enough that they, um, they can be affected by you know, regardless of where, what their perspective is. You sure. Know? So, but yeah, it's, it was really warm when we were over there. Yeah, that's so. great. You, uh, you mentioned that your wife, uh, Misty, who's the soprano soloist on this, uh, what, what's it like collaborating, uh, kind of inside a marriage in that way musically? I'm always interested in that. <laughs> it doesn't it's, seem it's to happen that often. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great actually. I mean, right now th- this case in point, this has been, this time we finally saw you know we get a chance to play together a lot and it's always the logist we have two young girls and and so we have to it's always kind of a logistical thing it's like okay well wait who's left (laughs) how how do we work that out and we both live away from our family so you know that that's that's definitely a big concern but um but musically it's been really interesting because she comes from a classical background um kind of and and sings some broadway music and everything And, and so when we first met i would say i'm i would hear like either jazz singing or like um, straight tone um, classical singing um, Hilliard ensemble kind of thing or something right. and so we would talk about that we'd get in these arguments and say hey <laughs> I, sing this straight tone and she'd say but that's not natural and you know we'd go back and <laughs> forth and and even in the studio on the mass um, she was actually eight months pregnant while she was singing some oh, of that man. stuff which you'd never never guess when you hear it but but we were in the studio and she would say I'm hearing this a little bit more open a little more operatic here and i'd say no i want straight tone here and and then we'd compromise and she would try it and i would go back and forth and and it was it's interesting because i think in a way her experimenting with all this she can sound like just about anything she's so flexible and it's um it's helped shape this really individual style for her where just kind of navigating through all of these situations she's come out with like this really amazing way of singing that's that's really a a mix of a lot of different like of her whole experience i guess like like anyone you know we, sure. we all have all these experiences and and it ends up leading to this your your own voice so it's been fun to to hear that come together and and she's still trying things out and you know so it's been fun that's great will you talk about some of the other projects you're involved with these days um yeah just other with other friends and, yeah either yeah. of your own or other people's yeah yeah um right now um there's a, I, I just, I mentioned my good friend, Jesse Lewis, a great guitar player. And we've been talking about putting some projects together. Um, I'm working a little bit with, um, my friend, Sarah Caswell, a great violinist. She's got a, a group. She's been on the road with Esperanza Spalding. So our, our project has <laughs> been paused for a little while, but, um, and she's on this record too, right? Yeah. Sarah yeah. plays on this as well. Um, in fact, it's, it's always great having her, um, you know, having, I've got a couple other friends that are fantastic violinists too. And having them kind of in the driver's seat over there is really helpful (laughs) with the string section. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm running around all the time doing a lot of different stuff, which, um, really keeps things fresh. I guess, you know, I I did this Philip Glass concert last week and, um, it was a way to, you know, I'm involved in a lot of different projects, you know, I think I play a lot of electric bass. And so, 
going from one thing to another. I just got asked to do this Rachmaninoff solo bass piece in like three weeks, so which I've kind of I did in school, but I've never really done for real. And so <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm kind of sweating that, but I'm super excited too because it's just a a chance to get certain things together that I really really enjoy. And yeah, so I guess the hard thing for me is that uh, you know as a bass player, a lot of times we get asked to do a lot of different projects and and fun things, and so I I'm having to focus a little bit and say, well, you know, things like the mass or things that I'm, I'm working on, like this next project, which I think will also have some kind of chamber element, maybe, although maybe a bit smaller. Um, I've, I want to spend time and really do those the right way too, you know? And, um, I feel like I know my friends that have been involved have had a good time doing that. And it's, I always, I love the feeling of like finding, work for myself and for my friends that they like, you know, it's right. like, it's a great feeling, you know, <laughs> I have that at the church here too. So, uh. yeah, it seems like your, uh, your musical life these days is really across many, many different styles. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you, our friend, Amy Servini was singing yeah. we were down at 55 bar and, um, we're doing another one of those, I think in a couple weeks. And, um, yeah. And so there, there's always a ton happening, especially with St. Peter's here because, you know, there's something coming up all the time where I have to write something for or, or play on. And, and so I'm always juggling that with you know, the other stuff around town. So in many ways, this, uh, here you describe this job, it almost seems like a, a throwback to the, the patronage days that created <laughs> so much cl- great classical music yeah. where yeah. you have an actual reason to write and someone who'll pay you to do it. It seems pretty amazing. Like a great yeah. place to be. It, yeah. I'm super, I feel really fortunate. And there's definitely, there are definitely some parallels. I don't know. You know, I think, just the idea of churches supporting and, and not just with me, but like supporting, you know, we've got this, this, um, there's a great singer, Melissa Stiliano and my friend Shanda rule along with my wife. We've got some singers involved and some musicians like my friend Jared Schoenig and, and Jesse that I mentioned and a great vibes player named Chris Dingman. They've all been involved kind of in this, like a house group that we've been doing, um, once a month and it's generating kind of a cool collective or kind of a sense of some kind of sense of regularity because there's so much, you know, it's a revolving door. There's always a, a different group in here and it's allowed us to, to create some settings and things for the congregation here here that um that they can actually learn and and build upon you know but for us it's given us a chance to you know have a band which is kind of a rare thing in yeah around here these days you know it's like everybody's running in a thousand directions to sort of dig in and have that um that regularity is really cool yeah when i got here today there was a a big band playing upstairs and uh, you mentioned that there are just different bands coming through all the time right yeah yeah, it's yeah. Right now, there's a Thursday series that's um, every Thursday all through the summer. You have some really great players coming by for that, and um, it's like free out. It's actually outside oh, great. on the out on the plaza there, and it's like every Thursday from twelve thirty to one forty five. And then Wednesdays all through the year, they have a jazz concert in the afternoons from one to two, and then our Sundays, you know, which is kind of the focus of what I work on are the Sunday night things. So, okay, yeah. that's great. Well, it's been great to talk to you, man. Uh, we've known each other kind of on and off for about a decade now or so, and yeah. uh, I'm really impressed with what you're doing. And uh, Jazz Mass is a, is a great piece, and I hope people will check it out. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot.
That's music from Ike Sturm and his album Jazz Mass. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session, sponsored by Matt Rock and presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at thejazzsession.com, but that will only be true if there are 100 members by the 300th show. Otherwise, there'll be no more show. You can become a member, and there's only 15 shows left for you to do that, at thejazzsession.com slash join. And now, if you would, please get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.